it's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Hello and welcome to another edition of Roar Man's Raging College Softball Report. I am the Roar Man. I really do appreciate you tuning in. I have a very special guest joining me on this podcast. He is very well known to Raging Cajun fans and to college softball fans across the country. I'd like to give a warm welcome to none other than Raging Cajun Hall of Famer and Alabama Associate Head Coach, Allison Habits. Allison, I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you, Rory. I'm honored to, to be a guest on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, you know, the Cajuns in Alabama will be getting together for two games this coming week. Um, I know they're going to be very exciting, but before we get into that, I'd like to spend a little time kind of talking about your story, your background. I know a lot of people know it, but there are people that listen to this podcast that do not. I found it, I find it rather interesting and inspiring. So if that's okay, can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Right, Where great. do you want to begin? <laughs> well, you grew up in Crowley. You had a big family. You're the youngest of eight kids. You have four brothers who all played baseball and your dad was a baseball coach. So what was it like growing up in a baseball family? Oh, it was like heaven. I mean, baseball was my passion. I was going to, and I met Tommy Lasorda when I was 10 years old, actually through Mel Didier, who was at, he was the athletic director and baseball, head baseball coach at USL at the time. And uh, he brought in Tommy Lasorda for a baseball clinic and I met him. And um, I, I mean, from that, then on, we became pen pals. And so I was going to pay for the Dodgers one day because I love baseball. Um, but I was always at the baseball. I was what you would call a park rat either the back girl from my, you know, brother's team or, or I was playing. I started playing in the Crowley Recreation Department at, you know, seven years old, starting in T-ball and um, went all the way up through American Legion. So always the only girl in all boys team because there really wasn't, I mean, Rory, to be honest, when I was growing up, there really was no fast pitch female teams. I mean, that, that I was aware of and I was in Crowley I mean, there was none in Crowley. Um, you know, the Lady Cajuns were playing, but I'd never really seen them play. I love I mean, my, my passion was baseball. So that's that's what I played. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You went to Notre Dame and you were the, on the basketball team and you also wanted to play baseball. But there was a Louisiana high school athletic rule that said girls can't play baseball. So you went to court. You fought it for two years and you won. So what was that court battle like? Man, I tell you I, that it's probably one of the worst days of my life. I'll never forget it. I was going to, you know, again, I was I grew up playing baseball. And I travel in all-star teams with these same, you know, my teammates. And so, of course, you know, we're, we're going to be in high school. So I wanted to continue playing the sport I love. And I remember the high school baseball coach said, well, you can't because girls aren't allowed to play on boys teams in high school. So they were just going to go before the LHSAA and see if they'd make an exception to the rule. And uh, so we went to Baton Rouge and, and I said, well, surely they are. There's no softball team. And, you know, I've been playing baseball my whole life. And they said, no, that I'd have to go to court. And I'll never forget that trip back from Baton Rouge. I cried. The, I mean, I was <laughs> devastated. I mean, how was I going to play for the Dodgers if I couldn't play high school baseball, right? Right, right. Um, I was devastated. I, it was my first, I guess, I don't know. I mean, just experience of, of life not being fair, really, you know, and I mean, because I loved baseball. So anyway, um, my parents said, you know, if, if you want to fight this, you know, we'll we'll go to court. So I said, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I love this sport. 
so yeah, for two years, um, we'd go back and forth to Baton Rouge and actually lost in court. And then it went to the appeals court. And that's actually when the rule got changed. Um, but I had great support from my teammates at Notre Dame, my principal, Coach Gospar. I mean, just, I mean, it was a tough experience, but my family and friends, I mean, the support I received from the community and Crowley and all that was, uh, was incredible. And I never forget the day they changed the rule. Coach Gospar was, um, was teaching me, he was at Notre Dame and he came in and he said, um, hey, by the way, um, they changed the rule. And I mean, the whole class erupted. So like the whole school at Notre Dame went outside and we had this big celebration and it was awesome. So I got to play for two years, which was an amazing experience. And um, well, yeah. you know, I think that's great. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, Sarah Hudak. I don't know if you know who Sarah oh, yeah. is, but uh, yes. she, she was a raging Cajun softball player a few years back. And her dad was a pitcher for the uh, for the uh, Houston Astros and she grew up playing baseball she was a pitcher and she actually got a scholarship to play baseball at Shreveport Community College and did for a year and then she converted to softball so she was able to play baseball in high school this was in Texas so maybe that Texas you know never banned women but I think that was a great move by you to do that because I'm sure there were some girls who got to play baseball where maybe they would not have been allowed to if it wouldn't have been for you yeah, well, I mean, again, I was just blessed to have the opportunity. I'm glad they changed the rule. And again, it wasn't just to be a, it wasn't a political stunt. It was just, I mean, I love baseball. I mean, I, I just wanted to continue to play. And, you know, at that time, Notre Dame didn't have softball. But again, baseball and softball are two different sports as well. Um, and I've been playing with these same guys since I was seven years old. So to me, it was just like, oh, I'm just going to continue to play baseball. And all of a sudden, no, you can't because you're a girl. And I'm like, What? So again, it taught me a lot about life. It taught me about, you know, life isn't always fair. And sometimes you got to fight for things that, you know, are the right things to fight for. So it was, it was a trying experience, but definitely a great experience in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. So you graduate from high school, you get a scholarship to play at USL as a basketball point guard, I believe. And the way I've heard the story told is one day you're working, you're you're walking on campus and you see kind of like a miniature baseball field and you go like what's that and you found out they had softball there and at about that time Yvette Gerard and uh, Patrick Murphy who was the assistant coach found out there was a basketball player who had played baseball so did you approach them or did they approach you how did that all work out well actually I did again I didn't I didn't really know much about the softball program because again I, I played baseball so when I went to college I was going to go play basketball and you know but you're right. You know your history right there. I don't know who you're getting your stories from, Rory, but that's pretty spot on because well, that's, that's exactly what happened. I, you know, because again, my passion was baseball and I, it was like a miniature baseball field. Like, what is that? So I saw it posted that they were going to have walk on tryouts. I never played it. So I went to my basketball coach, uh, Dwayne Searle at the time, and I said, and he knew how much I love baseball and he knew I grew up playing baseball. I said, hey, do you mind if I walk on the team? You know, just see what this is about. And he said, no, you know, as long as basketball is a priority, that, that's fine. So I just went out there for, for walk-on tryouts and met Coach Yvette Gerard and Patrick Murphy the first time. And the rest is history. Because let me tell you, the tryouts, <laughs> they said, what position do you play? Well, I mean, Rory, in baseball, I pitched. That's what I, I thought, yeah. Base, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I can't do this underhand pitching thing for sure. So I said, okay, first base. And they said, okay, get out there. So I go out there and I'm behind the bag, you know? And Murph's like, uh, come in. So I was like, oh, bunt coverage. Okay. So I got even with the bag. 
And then Gerard was like, uh, keep coming. I said, are y'all crazy? Like, you don't protect your, your teeth here? I mean, what is going on? So anyway, I had to learn a lot. And actually, Stephanie uh, Witten at the time uh, was, the, was the grad assistant. And I asked her because I knew she, I'd heard she was a great pitcher. I said, will you come and throw me BP? She was like, sure. You know, well, Rory, let me just tell you. I mean, first 10 cuts. <laughs> I mean, wh- I, didn't, I didn't even come close. I didn't even come close. So it was quite an adjustment, but uh, fortunately I was able to make the team and just, again, I had, you know, coaches who allowed me to do both sports, which was just quite a blessing and had a great, great experience playing both sports. So you walk onto the softball team, having never played softball. By the time you're a junior, you helped lead the team to the College World Series. And then in 1994, you're an All-American softball player. Um, in basketball, you're in your career scoring over a thousand points as a point guard. And as a student, you're the outstanding graduate in the College of Liberal Arts. Now, that's how'd you do that? Like, that's almost impossible. Well, I tell you, I will say this playing two sports, you don't have to worry about because in college, I think one of the biggest, you know, I guess the toughest thing to do is to learn how to manage your time. You know, mm-hmm. well, I didn't really have to learn how to do that because it was managed for me. I mean, I went from one practice to the next and then had to do homework and study hall. So there were just certain things that I knew I had to get done to be able to excel and, and, and do what I was supposed to do. So everything was kind of planned out for me. And I just had to kind of fill in the blanks and just try to do my best in everything that I did. And I was surrounded by a lot of support, a lot of good friends and a lot of just great coaches and mentors who helped me along the way. Well, back in 1993, things were a little bit different. Um, there were only there were eight regionals. Uh, USL hosted one of those. Um, let's see, y'all beat Bowling Green and you beat Michigan twice to reach the World Series. And when you got to the World Series, y'all were ranked number seven. In the first game, the Cajuns beat number two, Cal State, Northridge, four to two. You then lost to Arizona, two to one. You beat Cincinnati, one to nothing. Then you beat Arizona, one to nothing. And then you were eliminated by uh, UCLA, one to nothing. So in those four games, a total of 12 runs were scored. And it just goes to show how much back in the day it was all a pitching game and the things that really, really changed. So tell me a little bit about that World Series experience. Man, I tell you, the, the first thing I remember about it, Rory, and I will never, ever forget this. I remember we're I don't remember the teams who were playing before us. I just remember we were in right field waiting to play. The game before us ended and we walked on the field. And the raging Cajun fans erupted I mean the whole state it's like the whole stadium I'd never heard at that time fans that loud and just with their signs and everything I mean I'll never forget to this day it was it was the most exhilarating feeling to know like they came all the way to Oklahoma City and we're at the World Series it was just like very surreal I remember I got I got goosebumps from head to toe (laughs) and gosh I'll never forget that moment and just the just the fans were amazing and and of course you know you know Raging Cajun fans y'all are Y'all are contagious, man. So if a team would lose out, they became Raging Cajun fans, right? I mean, so before we knew it, towards the end, I mean, everybody was pulling for us because you'd feed them, you'd do everything for them. So everybody wants to be a Raging Cajun fan, you know? But, I mean, the competition, obviously, beating Arizona, I'll never forget that. That was incredible. Um, just had so much respect for Mike Candre and their team. And I'll never forget playing UCLA. Lisa Fernandez was pitching at the time. Right. and her oh, really? up, man. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she was so good. I mean, just her change up too. It's like it would disappear about for about two feet throughout the, and then all of a sudden it would appear again. But you're right. The offense, I mean, the bats were definitely a lot different. It was more of like a ping sound instead of a, you know, composite. 
Um, but you know, yeah, you just had to play a lot of short game. You had to mm-hmm. really work, score, you know, work to, to score a few runs, but, uh, the defense had to be on point for sure. Seems like the games lasted about an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, you're right. You know, one, one zero, two to one is kind of what you were looking at. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So after graduating from college, you get to play baseball for a couple of years with a women's professional baseball team, the Silver Bullets, sponsored by Coors Beer. And I really remember those uniforms. I remember exactly what they looked like. So you traveled across the country playing men's rec teams. Um, and there was a game in Georgia where the Georgia pitcher intentionally hit one of your teammates and a fight broke out, you get into the fight and you get sucker punched in the face. (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about that. Of course, that has to be the, you know, the main topic. Yeah. I mean, look, we can talk about something else if you want to. (laughs) No, 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 no. That that is fine. It's, you know, look, I actually started that game. We were playing in, um, in Georgia and we were playing a team. Usually we play like semi-pro men's teams or like, you know, the guys were sometimes like former major league baseball players, kind of like older guys. This guy, this team had, they were somewhat like American Legion. So they were, you know, a little bit younger and they were just chirping the whole game. Like, especially the catcher, just chirping, man, just, yeah. And I pitched that game. So I started the game and when I came out, we were winning, I think we were winning by like four. And anyway, we started to make some errors and they started to hit a little bit more. And um, I was out of the game and, Anyway, they come back and they're beating us like by five or six now. Okay. And it's, it's like the ninth inning. Okay. We're up to bat. Well, the girl who leads our, she led our Bible studies. Okay. <laughs> On the team. She's up to bat. There are two outs. Well, the ball like comes up and in and she kind of looks at the catcher like, seriously, you know, and he's just laughing at her. Well, the next one beans are in the head. So she, go, I mean, she like went out, like she was going to, I mean, we had never done that, obviously, to charge them out. And then she's like, no, I'm just going to run to, you know, I'll, I'll run to first base. Well, the pitcher started laughing at her and told her to come on. Oh, and she she just sprinted right to him. Well, of course, I'm like, oh, heck no. So I'm, I'm right behind her. So our, our catcher, no, sorry, our shortstop beat me. But I was the second one out there. And I go and their catcher then was on top of our hitter. OK, so I'm trying to get him off of her. And I'd be doing a guy doesn't sucker punch me. So I'm on the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh. And by the time I got up, you know, it was like, uh, you, I didn't even get, I didn't even get to get in a good punch. And of wow. course, you know, at that time we didn't have cell phones. Right. So, and we didn't have social media. So it's not like it was all over. Well, apparently I think it was KATC had gotten the clip. So all of a sudden, you know, I get, I think I went to a payphone or something. I don't know. I call home and mom was like, what happened? What happened? Cause on the news that night, like the whole screen was kind of dark and they have like a circle of light around me and they say, and here's our very own Allison Habits going out. And then all of a sudden you see me getting <laughs> out of the ground. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's a great highlight. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to have to YouTube that. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Oh gosh, who knows? But it was, so from that moment on, yeah, the, the rest of the season, that's all we talked about was the was the brawl, right? <laughs> well, what's pretty incredible is you finished 23 to 22. That's, that's, that's great. And what was it like playing for uh, ex-Braves uh, pitcher, Phil Necro? Oh man, Nuxie was great. God rest his soul. He just passed away um, a, l- a little bit over a year ago and um, just a great mentor, a great human being. And his brother, Joe was our pitching coach. Um, we just, you know, again, just that, that experience of major league hall of famers, you know, they were so classy too. just, 
and and we got to play in major league baseball stadiums. I mean, it was a dream for me. I mean, I didn't get to play for the Dodgers, but let me tell you, this is definitely <laughs> the next best thing because I got to play. I mean, I got to pitch twice in Boston, you know, I mean, it's like, what? I remember just looking around. I saw like the green monster and I, I see myself on the jumbotron. I'm on the mound. I'm like, Whoa, that's wow. crazy. Incredible, that's crazy. Right. So, I mean, just to be able to pitch in major league baseball stadiums and um, we played a lot of, just a lot of good teams and we competed and got to be at, you know, the, I mean, one of my greatest moments was when time Lasorda, who was my mentor and childhood hero growing up um, and Phil Necro got inducted into the hall of fame at the same time. Wow. So of course we were with Phil because, you know, Nuxie was getting inducted into the hall of fame. So we all go there and we're playing at hall of fame stadium. So I'm there for, for uncle Tom's induction and Nuxie's and man, look, I'm at Stan Musial. I'm at, I mean, actually, um, oh shoot, William, uh, great hitter, just le left me. He was in a wheelchair at the time. Uh, greatest hitter besides Babe Ruth. Um, Willie Mays? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Aaron? Hank Aaron? No. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. Really... That's all right. No problem. But anyway, just just great, you know, like, it was just incredible being, being surrounded by so many, you know, legends of the game. And being at the Hall of Fame, like in Cooperstown, it was like a little miniature, like ba little baseball town. It was so awesome. My parents got to come and it was just a, it was a great experience. So yeah, a lot of highlights in my experience as a, as a silver bullet, just being able to travel and, you know, prelim major league, met a lot of major league players. You know, I never forget like um, King Griffey Jr., Cal Ripken Jr., you know, just, it was just incredible just to be able to talk with these guys, you know, and pick their brains and learn about the game and just great guys. So it was, it was an amazing experience for sure. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure the uh, people listening to this are enjoying the conversation. So unfortunately the silver bullets were shut down in 1997 after a couple of years. And uh, I know that had to be disappointing. Yes. So now your playing career is over. Uh, Patrick Murphy is now an assistant coach at Alabama and he's promoted to head coach in 1999. He calls you and he, he asked you to join the coaching staff. I mean, did you think twice about that? I know you had some other career plans. Didn't you want to be a lawyer or something like that? I did, Rory. I definitely wanted, you know, I was, again, I was, after the Silver Bullets disbanded, I still wanted to play. So in California, they, they started up this women's baseball league. There were three teams in California, three teams on the East Coast. And one of them was in Long Beach. So I stayed in California. I tried out for the team, made the team. So I was on the Long Beach Aces. I pitched, played first base. Um, and we played against, you know, it was just a little league that we played in. And that's where I was when I got the call. And, you know, I, after that, I was planning, I was getting ready to take my LSAT. I was going to go home back, you know, go back home and go to law school. That was my plan. And when Murph called, you know, he told me to take a visit and all that. So I came down to Alabama and, you know, I love the school and stuff. But again, coaching softball was never on my list of things to do. Because again, I was, I was a baseball player. I played softball for four years. You know, I thought about maybe coaching basketball. <laughs> you know, I loved baseball. Softball was just something I did for four years. It wasn't like, you know, but I loved Murph. I mean, Murph helped me a lot in college. I had tremendous respect for him. You know, he, he did things the right way. It's going to be his like first big head coaching job. So, you know, after I prayed about it, thought about it, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go help him for, for a year or two just to, you know, just to help him out and, you know, hopefully do well. And then, then I'm going to go home and go to law school. That was my plan. And that was 24 years ago. 
that's a long, very, that's a long time, some very successful years. I would imagine the highlight was 2012 when y'all won it all. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, talk about surreal. And, you know, I think what really matters though, too, and, and I think about like in UL, you know, USL too, when we played, it's about the people that you're around, you know, because prior to 2012, we had had better teams, like more talented teams. I think in 2012 was when I really realized just as a coach, and I guess you kind of knew this as a player too, but how much, it, how much team chemistry really mattered, you know, how much the buy-in to, you know, it's not about me. And I mean, we've preached that since day one, but the 2012 team really bought into what we call Mudita. Like, can I be as happy for someone else's success as if it were my own, you know? And to have that buy-in from, from everyone and them getting rewarded with the national championship was just, I mean, it, it just doesn't get much better than that, for sure. Well, I saw the game. I remember it quite vividly. It was raining, and there was a big rain delay, and I could see the chemistry on the team because players were in the dugout dancing around, having a great time. I don't know what the other team was doing, but I think <laughs> that had a lot to do with, the, with your team coming back out and winning that game. I really do. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and we didn't realize it at the time because we're, we're there, right? But and again, we'd always talked about the people on the bench matter, like what they do, what they don't do really matters, especially with females, you know, their energy, their everything, what they bring to the table really matters. It contributes. So it wasn't until we got home. So we had a rain delay with Oklahoma, right? The, the national championship game. And we have two outs and we're down by two at the time against the, the, the player of the year. I mean, Kalani Ricketts was incredible lefty. I mean, just threw hard. She was almost unhittable. So and the kid who's up to bat was kind of in a hitting slump. So they, they stopped the game during that time. Well, during that time, we were trying to get back on the field because it really wasn't raining that much. But Kalani was getting a little rattled at the time. So I think that's why they wanted to kind of, you know, delay it a little bit. Well, our players come out the dugout and they are just on fire. I mean, and they just get electric with our fans and everybody just starts cheering. And again, the kids in Oklahoma, I mean, during a rain delay, Rory, what do you do? You go in the dugout and you wait, right? That's what normal people do. Right, right. But our bench players, I mean, they came out and they were just on fire. And again, we didn't realize it at the time. I could hear them, but we didn't really realize it at the time. Well, we, we, get, we get back. We end up winning it. We get back and there's a ton of people waiting for us and all that. And I'm telling you, every single person who came up to us said, I knew in the rain delay y'all were going to win. I was like, you did? We were down by two against the best pitcher in the country. We had two outs. And the kid up to bat was in a slump. I mean, even we went to see Coach Saban. Same thing. He said, I was watching the game. I knew in the rain delay. I was like, what, what made you think? He said, you could tell the momentum changed. And he said, your kids who came out the dugout changed that momentum, single-handedly changed that momentum. So that's what also is what was so special about that season, too, is what we had preached, the Mudita, like you do matter, what you do on the bench matters. Like they, we don't win without them because the momentum doesn't change without them. So again, it just, all those pieces fell together. Obviously you have to have talent and, you know, hit a little bit, pitch a little bit, but it was a true team effort and that's what made it really so special. So this is the uh, 10th anniversary. Does it, it seem like, does it seem like 10 years? It does not. We're actually having that team come back uh, for our Georgia series this year. Oh, but awesome. no, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like 10 years. It really doesn't. <laughs> All right, look, one more one more thing before we get to the games coming up this weekend. And you mentioned him a couple of times, and that's Tommy Lasorda. I think you called him Uncle Tom. 
you met him when you were 10 years old and you had a lifelong relationship with him. How, you know, how did that come about and, and what impact did he have on your life, not only as a coach, but as a player? I mean, it's Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, I'll tell you, Rory, I don't know. <laughs> Whew, talk about a blessing. I mean, it really, it started when I was 10 years old at that clinic and, and he was late for the, for an interview. So he comes in on the plane and I'm like first in line with my glove. And he walks in, I said, Mr. Lasorda, can you sign my glove? He said, sure. So he starts to sign my glove. Well, he was late for an interview. I guess the six o'clock news was waiting for like a live feed. So they're pushing him to try to get him to go. Well, he messes up his autograph on my glove and he, he got really upset. Okay. So he's, so I think just as, just in spite, like he sat there and talked to me, you know, he kind of heard my story. I played baseball, whatever. And he signed his name. And, um, well, later that night at the banquet, he gave me his address and told me to write him. Well, of course I'm thinking he's never going to write me back. You know I mean? He's Tommy Lasorda, but he did. He responded to every letter I sent. And then he just kept just inspiring me. I mean, you know, when I was young, he would just inspire me and stuff. Well, then when I got to high school and went through the battle in court, he would call and he would really just, I mean, what a great mentor. And then he came to USL um, to do like a, I think Tony Robichaud got him in. Um, and he came down. I'll never forget, I was riding with him and I was, I think I was with the bullets at the time, silver bullets at the time, but I was, I was in town and uh, he asked me what I was going to do, you know, once the silver bullets were over and I said, well, I'm going to probably go to, I'm not real sure. I'll probably go to law school. He says, you're going to coach. Said, you think so? He said, yes, you're going to coach. I said, I don't think so, Uncle Tom, but okay. Right. Well, he knew, but talk about a mentor. I mean, the stuff he taught me, Rory, are so much. I mean, I think about him every day coaching. Yes, because he was such a player's coach. He was so passionate. I'll never forget. I mean, I was living in L.A. at the time. I was playing ball and stuff. And um I think it was, it might've been, you know what? I might've been in Alabama. It might've been my first year at Alabama. And I was visiting some friends in California. Well, his daughter, I babysit for his granddaughter and the electricity went out at his daughter's house and nobody was there. So she called me to go, you know, and hang out. I was like, sure. You know, cause Tommy lived a good hour and a half away from his daughter, California. So I go, I'm staying with his daughter named Laura. And all of a sudden who pulls up Tommy. Okay. It's almost midnight. All right. Electricity's off. So he's sitting there talking, you know, he's, he's passionate about everything. So he's talking to me about the team and, you know, how's coaching and all that. And so there are candles lit. Okay. In the house. All right. <laughs> it's after midnight Rory. And he says, all right, Allison, he says, it's the bottom of the seventh inning. It's a tie game. And you have to, you have to tell your players, you know, you have to get them pumped up and, and ready, ready to hit to ready to score. Like, what are you telling them? I'm like, uh, well, Hmm. <laughs> he said, so wait, he's sitting at the dinner table. Okay. He's sitting at the table. He said, I want you to stand up right now. And I want you to pretend I'm, I'm, I'm the leadoff hitter. What are you telling me? So man, look, Rory, I get up there. I'm like, all right, you got this, you know, you got to, and he just shakes his head. No, he says, Nope, that's not it. He said, if you want me to believe you better believe it. He said, so you better dig a little deeper. He said, because if I'm going to believe it, I have to know you believe it. So I tried again, man. I'm like, all right, you know, now I'm like spitting in his face, okay? <laughs> and so still, he's like, all right, that was better. That was better. He said, but you're still not there. He said, you, he said, really pretend I'm, I'm, your, I'm, I'm a good hitter. He said, because you don't believe it yet. I, I, I'm not convinced that you believe it. He said, you have to make me believe that I'm going to do this. 
and boy, look, I just, now my face is red. I'm like, get in his face. I'm, you got this. You're going to crush it. Let's go. You know, he's like, all right. He said, I'm about to hit it. I'm, I'm about to hit a bomb now. He said, I'm, I'm ready. You know, that's awesome. So like, again, he just, he had so much passion and he taught me that, but he also taught me about life. And this is another story that I just want to share real quick, but I went, they were playing for the, uh, the pennant race. They're playing the Phillies. Went to Dodger stadium. I was visiting and he told me to come to the game. So I do. And after they, they lose, so they, they lost the pennant. Okay. And I, so of course I'm like, I'm out. I'm not going to see Tommy. They lost like, mm-mm. So the security guard says, hey, Tommy wants to see you before you leave. And I was like, oh, man, really? You know what? So I go in there, I go in his office. Well, the players, there's a buffet, and the players are getting, all getting food. Well, I noticed there were two plates of food that were already on his desk, okay? So I figured it was for him and Joe, his, his wife, for later, you know? So anyway, players go through. Well, Tom, I don't know if you know anything about Tommy, but he's always the last one to leave the field, okay? So I'm sitting across from him and his desk. Well, he goes and picks up a bunch of boxes and mail. So and he puts it on the desk and he just starts opening up the mail and then writing letters, autographing wow. balls and put, so he's responding to, to fan mail. And so, he, you know, and I'm not saying much cause I, you know, I know he's not happy about losing. So I just help him with that. I'm like at addressing envelopes and stuff and helping him, you know, with his fan mail and all that. So we did that to well after midnight. Okay. Last ones in the ballpark. So we're leaving the field. And uh, it's just my car and his car there. So I get my seat. You know where you're going? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll, I'll take you to the interstate. I said, okay. So I'm following him out. Well, don't you know, he gets, there are two guard gates, two, two guards at the gate that the only, pe- only people left at the stadium. And we go through, he stops and he hands the, the two plates of food to the guards at the gate. Wow. Wow. And I think to myself, he just lost the pennant. The first people he, th- he knows he's not leaving there. He's going to be the last ones to leave. And there are two guys who have to wait on him. So the first, first thing he does is fix them a plate of food. And I'm That's like, awesome. he, just, he, he just had a way of making people feel special who could do nothing for him in return. And mm-hmm. that's, what made, that's what set him apart, without a doubt. Yeah, that is a, that's the, those are some incredible stories, and I really do appreciate you uh, sharing those with me. I'm speaking to Allison Habits, the associate coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. So let's uh, turn our attention to this year's uh, Alabama team. Um, Alabama will play the Cajuns at Lampson Park on Thursday, February 24th, and at the Youngsville Sports Complex on Saturday, February 26th. I'm sure you're looking forward to coming home for a little while. Man, there's no, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of bittersweet because obviously I don't like competing against the Cajuns, but man, I love coming home to play. There's nothing, I mean, just to be in that atmosphere, you know, it used to be Lady Cajun Park, but now Yvette Girard Park, and it's just, um, I just always look so forward to it. It's just a homecoming for me. All, the fans are just, just amazing. And, and so many of them have been fans since, since Gerard was there, you know, and I just love that atmosphere, like the tradition there and they feed you. I mean, there's just, there's just so much that you get there that you don't get anywhere else. And, I, and I, we're telling our players too, we go to Baton Rouge every other, other year. Right. And nothing against LSU. I'm not, but it, it's different. I mean, to go to LSU and to come to UL is completely different. Just they're close in the, in the fact, but the Cajuns are, there's just something special about the Cajuns. I mean, the people, the atmosphere in Lafayette, the community, it's just, it's really special. 
Well, you'll have Mardi Gras going on. Uh, crawfish is in season, so maybe they'll get to eat some crawfish, maybe catch a parade or two. So I know they're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a Lori, we are in a parade. What? Yes. Parade. Which, which one? Youngsville? It's the Youngsville. Yes. Oh on goodness. Saturday that's, morning. Every, that's, one of the the best, that's one of the best parades, too. It's huge. I mean, it's a huge it? parade. Oh, look. Now, we've never done that. We've seen one parade. That was back when Bailey Hemphill was, was a freshman. We saw a Mardi Gras parade, but our kids have never experienced Mardi Gras, much less been in a Mardi Gras parade. So we're really excited. We're I'm really going to have to go. Yeah, I'm going to have to go check it out for sure. Uh, no, yeah. no, no doubt about it. All right. Well, let's see. Um, talking about the Cajuns in Alabama, I have to tell you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see a lot of similarities. I mean, both teams lost a lot of uh, veteran players last year. I mean, you guys lost uh, Bailey Hempel, who, of course, is from Lafayette. Both teams have a bunch of very highly touted freshman players coming in. Both teams have a pretty deep pitching staff. I mean, do you see those similarities? Yeah, I absolutely do. And just watching, you know, just trying to scout a little bit and, and watching some of their games and seeing their stats. I mean, they have some they have some young kids who are performing very well early on the season. And, you know, it's, there's something to be said about those young kids because they're fearless, right? They, they come in, they get some confidence. And, you know, I mean, if you played baseball or softball, you know, confidence can take you a long way. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be – and, you know, shoot, Jerry Glasgow is – He's one of my favorite coaches. I have tremendous respect for him. And of course, he has Lacey Prejean, who played for us. Also just a great human being, a great coach. And now they just added Justin Robichaux to their, uh, their little staff right there. Let me tell you, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, the Robichaux obviously, and he's so like his dad. He is so much like his dad. So um, we're, we're going to be in for quite a challenge. There's no doubt. I mean, their game sense and having kids who, who are obviously buying into what they're taught, you know, the, those young kids always want to buy in early and they're having success. So they're going to be, they're going to be a like good competition and a tough team to beat for sure. Well, your new players as well. You have four players who are leading uh, the hitting on your team. Two are transfers and two are freshmen, Dallas Goodnight and Megan Bloodworth. And the two transfers are Allie Shipman, who, who everybody knows and Ashley Prange. Is that how you say her name? Uh, Prangy. 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 Okay. So tell me about the impact those four players have had on your team. I know it's early, but I know you, I know you have to like what you're, what you've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, previous to our tournament in Arizona, our first tournament, we, we have nine new kids. And for us, we've never had that many because usually we have maybe four, maybe five is a big class because we just kind of, you know, fill the, fill the class. We don't get a, very rarely do we get a transfer. So this was like, not like us to have nine new players and, and we lose so much. So going in, you know, one thing I would tell people when they'd ask about the team before I was there was on a weekend was, what do you think? I'm like, I have no idea. We'd scrimmage a little bit, but you don't know what freshmen and transfers are going to do when the lights are on. Like you just, you don't know. The one thing I knew was that I liked them. Like they jailed right away. And Kids like Ali Shipman and I mean, there were two juniors, Ali Shipman and Prangy come in as juniors. And we we have a lot of young kids. We have Montana Fouts and Kaylee Tao. That's our only like senior and junior. So Prangy and Ali added to that class to make four upperclassmen and that's it. So they were going to be difference makers in the sense of of the chemistry. Right. And how they how they got along. Were they selfish? You just you just don't know. 
But those two have been incredible in the sense of being selfless, like just loving it. And they're just great teammates. So again, going, they, they just, they gelled so quickly. The freshmen, they're just goofy and weird and they just love it. Love the fact that they're goofy and weird. There's no eye rolling or anything like they just, they're fun to coach and they're like sponges. You know, they're just really, they're just a fun group and, and, and they want to work hard and they, they talk the game, like they talk hitting and they're just a fun group, but I had no idea if they'd be good. You know, but Arizona, I was like, wow, they, all right. Yeah, it was 11, nothing, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. we might, might have a little talent too. That's, that's nice to see. Well, yeah, you know, Megan Bloodworth, you know, kid, freshman from Georgia and Dallas, good night, both from Georgia. Um, just great, talented kids. And again, very coachable and making adjustments. And you, know, you never know what those, you know, the, the kids that you re- recruit who are kind of highly recruited, mm-hmm. you never know about ego when they're coming in. Are they going to be coachable? Because, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Well, really all of our freshmen that have come in, but especially these two have been nothing but coachable and just eager for more. And it's just refreshing to, to have those kind of, you know, athletes on your team. Right. Well, you can't talk about Alabama without talking about Montana Fouts, who I think is the best pitcher in softball. You also have a very effective number two in Lexi Kilfall. Maybe they're 1A and 1B, and maybe she's not a number two, but we know about them. Um, do you have a secret pitching weapon uh, who's going to surprise a lot of people this year, or do you want to divulge that? You know, we've been – I mean, the last two weekends we've used four pitchers, um, right. and they've all done – fantastic I think they they complement each other well you know because obviously you have a lot of speed you know with Montana and then Lexi's a little bit more junk and you know you have Jayla Torrance is more of speed and then you know Salter has a little you know a little, little crafty you know with just some movement so I think that's the main thing is that they complement each other you know with with some rise some drops some you know you know you mix it up and you mess up timing and that's that's what you need to do to to be great hitters um, so as a staff, they, they've done really well so far. And I know we'll be challenged a lot, you know, playing the Cajuns for sure. So, and I think they saw Montana last year. Well, actually there wasn't really maybe one Sophie. She the only one who's. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because Raina and uh, Taylor were both injured. Yeah. They were both injured. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we faced, um, camp is Cambry. Uh, shoot, I can't want to call it Camry, but it's a uh, kid from Australia or New Zealand. Oh, uh, Kendra Lamb. Kendra, can I can't read Kendra? That's okay. Yeah, Kendra. she's good. She's good. And last year, you know, she wasn't the number the number one because Summer was. So I think she, you know, kind of took some growing pains, whatever last year. But this year, she looks like she's she's thrown well, you know. And I think again, she has a year under her belt. Um, so I think she's a she's a different pitcher this year and has a lot of confidence and is is doing well. So. And then, you know, Sam Landry, that freshman is good. I mean, they shoot, they have five pitchers, so they right. they have quite the staff. But um, just from the ones I've seen, they they complement each other very well as, as well. That's what I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you're familiar with Kendra, but with 12 new players, is it kind of hard to scout a team full of players you've never seen before? Are you just kind of like, you know, just guessing or? Absolutely. That, that's, the, that's the challenge of playing teams early in the season, especially after the COVID, you know, senior class you know, mm-hmm, most mm-hmm, teams, mm-hmm. a lot of teams are, are very young and, and don't have a lot of returning players. So um, especially the Cajuns. Yeah. I mean, I think it's only Sophie. So that's when you go in and just, you know, you have to learn, you have to learn as you go and you just throw your best stuff and hope that they can't hit it. 
But as far as scouting, I mean, there's really not a whole lot you can do when it comes to that. I mean, they can obviously scout our pitchers because we have Montana and Lexi um, and, you know, we have, they have video and they've been off for nine days. I talked to Lacey today. I'm like, what y'all been, y'all been preparing for nine days for us. What's going on? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I did read something in the paper where Glasgow planned it that way. So either it's a great decision or it's not, we're going to have to see what happens. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so coming into the games, like I mentioned, uh, Alabama is undefeated. Now you did, face Virginia Tech last week you won both of those games they were very close you won two to one and one to nothing uh what's your takeaway from those two games man I tell you those were that Virginia Tech has two really good pitchers that freshman is really good and of course you know Rochard I mean she beat UCLA in super regionals last year one game and just the movement and and then the freshman brings the speed with the movement it was, it was definitely a challenge, but one that we really needed because, I mean, Arizona had a good pitcher too, but, you know, I just think that these two pitchers really challenged our hitters. We had to be challenged to make adjustments. I mean, you know, Rory, if, if you, when you're hitting, like against Arizona, when everything is going well, it's like, oh, we're, we're good. But when you're striking out and you keep missing and you're like, why am I missing this ball? You have to figure out how to make an adjustment. And that's what hitting is about, you know, how to make adjustments quickly. So they were forced to do that, and um, it was a good challenge for us. So I'm glad that we faced those two pitchers. And, you know, Middle Tennessee had a decent pitcher as well, and Evansville, you know, we faced a lot of down, a lot of up. So it was a good challenge for our hitters to, to mix it up with speeds and all that. So I feel good about the sense that we've been challenged, and I feel good about, like, practice tomorrow. I know they're going to want to get better. Well, if you you know if your players want to challenge, you know I've been to Alabama a number of times. I think the atmosphere at both Year Park and um, at Gerard Field at Lamson Park are very similar. Uh, this go around, I got to tell you, it's going to be nice to have eighteen hundred or so fans cheering for the Cajuns instead of the other way around. <laughs> so uh, I think it should be a really fun two games. Yeah, it definitely will. I'm 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 very much so looking forward to it. Seeing a lot of faces that I you know from the past too that I know will be cheering on the Cajuns and eating some good food for sure. And uh, yep. definitely playing some good softball, without a doubt. Well, listen, I really hope you enjoy your time back home for this uh, short trip to Lafayette. And I really do appreciate you spending time with me on this podcast. I've learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun. And I think the people that listen to it that are Cajun fans who might not have known that much about Allison Habits will now know a lot more. So, again, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm honored, Rory. I, I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate your commitment to Raging Cajun softball too, because just looking at your podcast, you're you've been a fan for quite a quite a long time too. So I appreciate the support and commitment you have to to softball and to women's softball too, because you have a good a good program to um, to support. Absolutely, and absolutely, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I appreciate you and everything that you do too. So thank you thank for having me. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Okay, sounds good, Rory. So there you have it, my interview with Allison Habits. It was a pleasure speaking with her. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. If you didn't know the Allison Habits story and where she came from to where she is today, now you know. I hope you found it informative and interesting. This is The Roar Man saying, as always, be sure to like this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend. I'll see you at the ballpark, and go Cajuns! <laughs>